Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the second episode of the Matea Show, and I'm back again. The man to my right, Sutter Bose. What it do, baby? You know where that line comes from. Mateus, where does it come from? The man that left the Toronto Raptors, but I can't blame him. Kawhi Leonard, thank you for your services. We appreciate it, and we wish you nothing but the best in Los Angeles. Let's not talk about Kawhi here today. We're here to talk about something other than Kawhi, or else Mateus over here is going to start tearing up about him and all our other listeners. I, I'm surely heartbroken about uh, Kawhi Leonard, but... Your boy Sutter Bose and Mateus are going to talk about UFC 239, potential UFC fights in the future, the NCAA football and their playoffs, and maybe get into some NCAA basketball here. So Mateus, NCAA, or UFC 239, what a card. It was a good card. Great fights all around. I think from top to bottom, they were all good. I think John Jones... Uh, any fight he's on is a good fight. Obviously, I, I wish Tiago Santos was healthy during that fight just to see how it would end up if he was a bit healthier. I think the Ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal fight was very interesting. It was very uh, short-lived, but in those five seconds, it was uh, very well done. Is, th- that, is that the fight of the night? I think, it was, I think it's probably the f- not the fight of the night, but I think it's the knockout of the year. More if than not, the knockout I of the year. I think it's the decade. The decade, for sure. Holy. This guy did a stutter step and came out of nowhere and need Askren right in the face. The guy's going for the grapple and just come, boom, flying knee like that. I think, I think that shows how quickly a fight can change, right? Five seconds. Five seconds. I heard uh, Joe Rogan was saying that he was knocked out in two, but the other three seconds were just the referee running over. I think that's facts. I think that's very true. I think... Once you see that knee hit Askren, he just drops. I think another big knockout was Amanda Nunes' kick to Holly Holm. I think that was a good fight. Uh, I think that uh, Amanda Nunes did her part. You know, she stayed very vigilant. She stayed very active. And I think when she saw the moment, she took it. And that's not much you can ask for out of a fighter. She precision, precision, precision. And then, boom, that's what ended the fight. I think uh, Holly Holm deserves much credit for staying in there as long as she did I think that uh, she Holly Holm did move around did keep Amanda on her toes and uh, that's basically it so that was my take on the card I think that uh, a lot of interesting matchups moving forward I think that the big one we have to look forward to is Cormier Miocic and obviously Pettis and Nate Diaz and then the big one in Abu Dhabi uh, Dustin Poirier and Khabib. Uh, those are three big fights coming up. So I think that's that's something to look forward to, you know. And then obviously once those three fights are up next year, we could be looking at uh, possible title matches, possible future matchups. And I think it's just all a matter of timing and just letting it all play out. I understand that, uh, Khabib is the favorite, but uh, who do you have in that fight? I think I think both fighters make a case of the, why they should win. I think that uh, Pori is a very technical striker. I think he's got great cardio. I think he's just an all-around smart guy. He's very precision-based, very tactical. He's 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 well-rounded, right? He's uh, he's obviously been in big fights. He fought Holloway, and that was an absolute war. Uh, I think that uh, Khabib also understands how good of a fighter Pori is. 
I think that Khabib knows that uh, Poirier is obviously going to want to go all five rounds. I think both fighters know that uh, they want to go five rounds. I think that it's just a matter of timing and precision. I think the big key for Khabib is just to stay uh, as composed as possible and just allow the fight to develop. I think that he has to be vigilant and understand that Poirier knows that he wants to wrestle. And I think Poirier is going to do uh, every bit of that just to uh, keep Khabib at bay and let him know that, hey, listen, I know you want to wrestle, but for the majority of this fight, I kind of want to stand. And I think Poirier also knows that Khabib has no problem standing up and trading shots. So I think it's just a matter of uh, which fighter can dictate their game plan more and which fighter can execute. I think Khabib is going to take full advantage on the floor. I think Khabib is going to win that fight. Poirier has no no matchup on that ground. He Khabib is going to kill him on the ground. And it's now not on American soil. Poirier has no hometown um home advantage. So that's going to play a big factor in um Abu Dhabi and um I, I got to take Khabib in that fight, so... I think both fighters know that, uh, you know, it's going to be a to be a raucous crowd, so I think a lot of the energy in the building is going to be it's gonna be exciting for both of them. It's just a matter of who can, keep, who can keep their nerves down. I think Khabib is a very calm, collected fighter. For sure. Very serious guy. He doesn't really like to talk too much, and uh, he's all about uh, just putting on uh, a performance and getting the job done. I think Poirier understands that, and I think Poirier has adopted the same mentality of just, hey, just going out there, getting the job done, and that's it. Khabib took advantage of Conor McGregor. We know Conor McGregor is stand-up. He can throw hands, but he was no matchup on the floor, and that is the exact same thing that's going to happen to Poirier, and we all know it. I think that, I think that's... I think that's very true. I think uh, Khabib's wrestling is extremely uh, well. It's extremely well-rounded. It's extremely powerful. I think he's just got good overall strength. You can see that he trains different. His mentality is different. Uh, He trains overseas, obviously. He trains out in Russia. Uh, So I think it's just a matter of adapting. I think that uh, obviously Khabib uh, understands that... uh, it's not all about your last fight. It's the fight about the fight coming up. I think Poirier understands that too. Yes, uh, both men did win their last fight. And I think that uh, they all have to move forward and understand that it's not about the previous fight. It's about the fight coming up. And I think uh, it could go either way. For sure. No doubt about it. Um, back to UFC 239. Um, we understand that... Um, Tiago Santos did suffer a lot of injuries, including torn ACL, torn PCL, torn MCL, and another left miscellaneous, uh, another miscellaneous tear in his left knee. As a thirty-five-year-old, how do you think that would play a factor to him? Is he is he gonna have another chance at the belt or no? I think that his manager has already stated that uh, he's gonna be out for next year and recover. So I think. That the next couple months are all going to be about uh, regaining strength and the knee. And I think it's all about what the UFC sees for Tiago. I think that he's, he's still an extremely talented fighter. I think that he deserves at least one more go at it. But it's just a matter of time to recover. And if Tiago, maybe Tiago says, hey, I don't know if I want to go again. I might want some more time off apart from the year. 
And Tiago might say, hey, I'm ready to go. Get me on the next guy. Get me on the next card, and I'll be there. So I think it's just a matter of timing. I think it's just a matter of timing of how well he recovers, how well um, he reacts to being out for that long, and I think it's just a matter of the UFC figuring out what they want to do. We gotta give it. A, we gotta give a hand to uh, Tiago. He is uh, an absolute a, warrior. A very courageous performance. I don't think a lot of. I don't think I would have be able to do that. I definitely wouldn't. Not even with um, a fractured toe. I don't even think I could uh, perform that well. He had a controversial. Um, I think a lot of people felt that fight could go either way, and I yeah, don't a lot disagree. Of, a lot of people and I don't disagree. A lot of people thought Tiago could have or should have won that fight. We know. Um, John Jones also suffered an injury after, and he had to be carried off. But John Jones, I think the injury with John Jones is just now. Uh, it's 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 not really uh, old age because he's still young. He's still a young fighter. I think it's just a matter of John Jones uh, understanding that he's he's going to be in some big fights, and I think it's just a matter of. I think John's going to want to slow the pace down a bit, come to terms and understand that, hey, listen, it's now a moment of picking my fights because he's beaten everybody he has to beat. Like oh, he's, yeah. he's at the top of the mountain. He so, might be the GOAT, right? I think he is. I think he's arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. So I think it's just a matter of John understanding, listen, I take some time off after this fight. We all know John Jones wants to get back in the ring and the octagon uh, as soon as possible. I think he, he mentioned that he wants to fight in December, but I think that uh, people around him are going to let him know that, hey, listen, you don't have to go necessarily fight out in December. You can wait till next April and uh, possibly find a match there. You know, it, it's all about timing. I think it's just all about uh, what happens in the next couple pay-per-views, the next couple months, seeing how the landscape of the UFC changes, seeing what Data want. Data White uh, wants uh, John Jones to fight, see who he wants to fight. And then a matter of finding an opponent uh, who the UFC believes uh, can be John Jones. So I think it's just a matter of timing. I think it all comes down to uh, month by month, watching the cards, understanding, looking at fights, looking at which fighters are injured, and just understanding that, hey, listen, it's all it's just timing. That's all it is. How do you, how do you think John Jones can be beaten? Because we know Tiago Santos... Took advantage of his skinny legs, just hitting, hitting it, just so many times, and that's probably why he was carried off. But maybe he should have maintained that strategy of continuing to hit his legs, and maybe the future opponent, when John Jones is trying to defend his belt, should take advantage of that situation right there. I think, uh, I think fighting John Jones is. Uh, oh, I can't say I've done it. I think going up against John Jones is obviously something that's very difficult. And I think that you have to understand that John Jones, he's a, he's a very adaptive fighter. So whatever you, whatever whatever move you do, he'll just understand that. Okay, he's doing this. I'm gonna do this to counteract it. And I think it's just a matter of uh, fighters just being patient. I think that Tiago Santos was very patient. He just got unlucky. I think that uh, if he wasn't injured, it could have gone the other the other way. I think it's just a matter of uh, fighters being patient and being calm and composed. But when you're fighting John Jones, that's hard to do. Uh, as we can see, Anthony Smith was very calm and composed, but he he got uh, he got uh, he got unlucky, right? John Jones just knew what he was doing. I think uh, I think it's just a matter of 
understanding that John Jones is a different beast. He's he's not a guy that you could just go up against and use the same three combinations because eventually he's going to figure out those combinations. And if that was your game plan to use the same three combinations, then it's going to be a wrap. Obviously, Thiago Santos uh, was a, was very precision-based. He uh, obviously tried to move around, right? But the injury obviously got to him. So I think that if Thiago had the ability to move around, I think we could have seen some more uh, combinations from Thiago. And I think we would have seen a better ending to the fight. Obviously, going to decision in a fight of that magnitude wasn't something that we all hoped for. Especially, we have a great striker, Thiago Santos, and a very powerful man in John Jones. So, we were all expecting a knockout or a TKO. But it, I was. But it happens, man. You tear, you tear your ACL, you injure yourself, and you have to change up the game plan. I think once Thiago knew that he couldn't move around, he just kind of had to stay with the leg kicks and see if that would work and just win on points but you know a mobile fighter is better than an unmobile fighter so it happens and then um, future fight uh, Cormier Miocic uh, I see Miocic winning I see Miocic winning I see Cormier number one pound for pound fighter against another old dude who's older than him but you gotta give it to Cormier man he is one of the best fighters we have seen. I think, I think that's very true. I think Corby is a very talented fighter. I think just the, I think what lingers with Corby uh, is the John Jones issues. I think that's just still in the back of his head. You know, I think he understands that if he beats uh, Miocic, he most likely will go against John Jones, and I think that. Uh, John Jones knows that as well. So I think that uh, it's all about just a matter of waiting. I think Jocic is going to be uh, very patient in that fight. I think he's going to be very calm and composed. And I think that it's just a matter of to see, it's just a matter of seeing who's more well prepared. I think both fighters will come into their camp focused at the task at hand. And I think that, that'll be it. I think it could go either way. But I think Jocic uh, takes it. No one in the NCAA in the playoff format. Who do you see in the top four? I know there's a lot of great schools in the NCAA football, but who do you see going into that playoff in the 2020? I think uh, for the upcoming season, you know, there's, there's a lot of possibilities. You know, a lot of teams got better. A lot of teams lost some valuable pieces. I think Clemson's always uh, a shoe-in. You know, Clemson's got a great program over there. Dabo Sweetie, Trevor Lawrence, they've recently got uh, DJ Ungulele out of St. John Bosco and Bellflower. I think he's a good uh, young quarterback that will suit Dabo's system. I think having Trevor Lawrence uh, as your starter and then being him being able to mentor DJ is good for the long run for the Tigers. I think that uh, Alabama is another big school that can obviously, obviously makes noise. I think uh, Nick Saban has the quarterback, has the pieces. You know, he's he lost a couple players to the draft, you know, but it's Nick Saban, it's Alabama, right? So it doesn't matter who they have. They always have a good team. I think uh, Tua's a great quarterback. I think now he's going to be more focused, more calm, and more composed. I think his little brother, Tulila, who they uh, also signed – also got a who also signed with them is gonna benefit from having his brother as the starter and I think that that's gonna be good for the long run and I think 
a lot of teams. I think uh, over a team that's overlooked is probably Georgia. I think Jake Fromm's a great quarterback. I put him top three in the SEC easy. Uh, obviously, he's fallen short. He fell short against Alabama. You know, f- uh, and then obviously last year, not the result the Bulldogs wanted. You know, but I think it. I think the pieces are starting to come together. I think it's just a matter of getting over the hump. Uh, I think Jake Fromm knows that. He's obviously a very uh, talented quarterback. And I think the pieces are there. And obviously Kirby Smart's going to mold that team. I think uh, Oklahoma, you know, uh, they picked up Jalen Hurts uh, in the transfer window, and transfer portal. And I think that that was a good pickup after losing Kyler Murray. I think sign, I think, Getting Spencer Rattler out of Pinnacle to commit to Oklahoma is good because now you have uh, quarterbacks that are mobile and that can uh, adapt to your system. So obviously the big question is, is does Jalen Hurts leave? I think uh, after the season ends, but uh, it, it depends. So I think for the next three seasons, they're going to have three, uh, they're going to have two good quarterbacks and that's it. I think uh, also another team that could sneak in there, uh, LSU, LSU is a team that can also sneak in there. Florida, I think Notre Dame hasn't been given the credit that they deserve. I think they've got a lot of good pieces. And really, uh, Oregon is another team that I like out of the Pac-12. I think that uh, Oregon's got uh, a good base. Their quarterback's returning, Justin Herbert. Uh, so I think it, it all comes down just to... Just to see what happens. Obviously, when uh, the season rolls around, it's a different story, right? We can sit here and make all these predictions, but it's just a matter of performing. Uh, I think a team that might be overlooked, that might be able to make a case uh, for the top 25 is uh, uh, USC. I think that uh, having a good quarterback in JT Daniels helps them out a lot. I think that uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is developing very nicely. And I think that uh, the addition of Brew McCoy, uh, despite the fact that he committed there, decommitted, and then committed back, is obviously that's it's obviously something that's gonna uh, rattle uh, a lot of the UCLA uh, fans because they don't know if Brew McCoy is fully committed. Uh, but I think that in the end, I think Brew McCoy will perform, and I think that the USC team could sneak in there to maybe a twenty spot, maybe uh, eighteen. Take out Iowa as for the pre for the pre twenty five rankings, but I think it all comes down to just a matter of performing. I think we can sit here and make all the predictions, but I like I, there's a lot of teams that can make a make a run for it. My top four, I gotta go with Clemson. Um, Trevor Lawrence gotta be a Heisman candidate, if not future Heisman winner. And then Alabama always gets in the top four here. I gotta, I gotta go with Alabama in my top four, and obviously Ohio State, a well, ra- a well rounded team. I think with Justin Fields. Justin Fields, Getting another Justin. future Heisman candidate, gotta be. Um, he's he's got a just a well rounded team, amazing defense. Who these defensive players always end up in the first round of the draft, even the first ten picks we've seen year after year. I, I just don't see Oklahoma getting in there with their defense un, unless they add some uh some recruits. Pre- yeah, some recruits in there. Maybe Michigan, but Michigan has got to take down Ohio State. Year after year they lose in that final game. You would know, right? I would know. It's it's unfortunate <laughs> as tough. a 
as I'm a Michigan fan. Shea Patterson has got to step up as quarterback. That has just been the thing that's taking them gotta, down every year. You've got to this. Amazing, amazing defensive players. I know there's some departures um, in Rashad Gary and um, some other players, but they they got to step up on offense. As good as they are on defense, having those good defensive players, Jabril Peppers a few years ago, uh, another Heisman candidate, but... They just got to step up on the offensive side, putting more points. And the defense cannot allow 50 or 60-plus points against Ohio State. That is just... And expect to make... Unexpected. You, you can't make the top four unless you finish it properly. The defense has to finish properly. LSU could get in there and do not sleep on the Texas Longhorns and Notre Dame. Notre Dame made it top four last year. And they have got some amazing players on that school. The only thing I see with Notre Dame and USC, uh, USC they got some tough um, opponents on their schedule, especially USC in the in the Pac-12 with Oregon uh, Herbert, who just came off an amazing season. I I just you got Stanford, who's also a pretty good team, and and some others. I know they have Notre Dame sometimes on their schedule, so that might be tough. Um, they do, and Washington. Let's not forget about Washington, Utah, and Washington State. I'm. They've all made top twenty-five year after year. Sometimes they'll miss. Sometimes they'll make it. But those are all some good schools. We've seen some good players come out of all those schools. I just would not sleep on the Texas Longhorns if they can get past Oklahoma, um, outscoring them, especially as Oklahoma has a good offense with Jalen Hurts, who's a championship player. I just. I don't I don't know if I believe in Jalen Hurts that much to lead his school to a championship unless he's got some next high level Alabama players, which he does not this year. But Oklahoma will still be a good team, but Texas has gotta beat them in the schedule and has to win the rest of their games. The Big Twelve is a pretty good division, but with Oklahoma not as good as last year with the departure of, of Brown and uh, and Lamb and Kyler Murray, who are all top 30 players in the NCAA, all got drafted. Some amazing players. I, I just, you think Texas really makes a run? I think Texas is going to be up there. You Texas, really believe it's Sam Ellinger? The thing is, with this... Um, I, I do believe it's Sam Ellinger. Yes, I do. He had an amazing season. Um, he almost beat Oklahoma during the season. Almost. Almost is good. It's just... Kyler Murray was unstoppable last year. Got Brown getting some 200-yard games. Lamb just making clutch catches over guys. I I just don't know. It's it's about their defense stopping their amazing offense, but with those departures, I, I just can't I, see it happening. The only thing I see Texas doing is moving down to 15th. The thing is, with all these... Good, I don't believe in Texas one bit. One bit. They're they're going out I don't, there. I, I don't believe in USC. They're not even projected to be top twenty five. Okay. Hard hard schedule. They got Utah. They got US or sorry. They got Notre Dame. They got Washington. They got Washington State, and Washington projected at sixteenth. Utah projected at fifteenth, and Washington State has got to be up there. I don't even think Washington State cracked top twenty five. Washington State got like around twelfth last year. So Washington State didn't even make it. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's up there. Iowa, UCF. 
UCF always makes it. They're getting getting some love. Michigan State. UCF two seasons ago should have made that college football playoff. They were undefeated, beat Auburn in a bowl game, and Auburn was top four at that time, and then moved down because they lost that game. So let's talk about this college um, playoff format. What do you what do you think about it? Sucks. It? I I have need, to agree. Need to bring back the BCS, man. Need to bring back. The, no, 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 need no. To bring back that, I think the whole selection committee is kind of, I don't know. I don't. Know, there's a lot of things that, obviously, could change. I think it's just, I just don't personally like it. I think there's a lot of teams that they're overlooking, and I think that, that's for sure. There's a lot of teams that deserve more credit than they do, and I think the NCAA has to realize that, and I think they should change it. So you're saying only the top two teams should make it. To the to the playoff or final. I'm saying the, I'm saying That's the, what the BCS is. Only the top two teams make it to the championship. There's no playoff between the four. You just think you believe only two teams should make it here. Well, that's the point, right? I don't think so because I I see eight teams there that could easily beat uh, top four teams right here. Understood, but it's we, all about we have the Florida Gators. It's, it's all about your LS, record during the season. We have LSU, we have Oklahoma, but that's the thing with the record during the season. Some teams have easier schedules than others. We know the Big Ten is a hard schedule, we know the Big 12 is a hard schedule, and we know the Pac-12 and the SEC is all hard schedules. you got to look at their opponents and how much they're beating them by, and then how much they're losing by if they get upset. So you understand, Ohio State got upset by... Instead of doing that, make it an 18 playoff format. That's what I just said. The top yeah, eight. I I believe the top eight. Because or make it top two years or make ago, it top sixteen. Two years ago, we easily could have saw Michigan making it. We could have saw UCF making it. There were eight teams there that could have easily made it, and we've seen some teams that that should have made it, and even in the top four, and then just just fell to fifth. Let's talk about Ohio State um, getting upset by Iowa in one game. They won all the other games, but they got killed by Iowa one game. One game should not make you out of the top four. They killed Michigan, and they could easily beat in any of those teams. They had amazing players, amazing components to that team. Yeah, but if you redo it, how would you do it? So you go, what, eight teams, and then... Eight versus one, two, two versus okay, seven, so like six NBA. versus three, four versus uh, five. But the NBA has 16 teams making it. So out of all these schools, how many schools are there? Obviously not all 100 should make it. Not Obviously not all 50. But out of those top 25, I could easily see the top 8, making, top eight. making a potential run. Because all those top 8 teams top eight, it's are set usually up, good. It's set up like a bracket. That's the way I would, that's the way I would like to but see But with that. those 8 teams, you still should have that committee saying determining the, the difficulty of the schedule, difficulty of the opponent, how much they lost by, how much they won by... Blah, blah, blah. But then you're back at square one. No, because you're adding eight teams. Yeah, but you're... you're, you're just just so that those fifth and sixth teams, and maybe even seven and then eight, don't get, don't get um, robbed. Fair enough, fair enough. I, they, I don't think the NCAA will adapt that format just because they don't want to have more games. How many fans do they get from the college football playoff? We looked at tickets last year for... Yeah. Um, what was it? <laughs> 3 a.m.? Rock? Alabama and Oklahoma. And those tickets... What was that one called? <laughs> what was that one called? Oh, uh, uh, Girls Night Out. <laughs> no, it wasn't Girls Night Out. It was... Uh, 
barefoot Pinocchio. <laughs> so the things you do at 3am when you go to Brock you look at tickets that wine was pretty good that though. wine was pretty good I, I, I don't agree with your IPAs but uh, I gotta agree with your wine taste shut up I don't agree with buying tickets at 3am to go watch a football final it was your idea bro it was, it was my idea that's, why, <laughs> so I, that's you, why I liked it so you don't agree with yourself okay so you don't want to see those 5th those and 6th maybe even 7th and 8th who actually can make a run at it um, you don't want to see those fifth and sixth get get robbed like Ohio State. You know, be, you know be interesting to see. You know the Dr Pepper challenge. If they took out the top eight teams and picked a fan from every school, and then they had them try to throw into the basket for the top four spots. This is how I know you watch the halftime show more than you watch the games. What do you? How, how did you think of Travis Scott in the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> you know, like Travis Scott? I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm just saying, if they really wanted... It'd be funny to see if you could get eight fans okay. on the field just tell them it's the Dr. Pepper Challenge. <laughs> do, you, do you watch the bowl games and do you watch the playoff? And how excited do you get for these games? I watch the... I don't, there's so many bowl games. Okay, let's talk about the big ones like the Sugar Bowl... Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, all that. Those are the those bowls are the big. Those ones. are the ones you get excited for. So turn those games into the those bowl games into the playoffs. So you got, let's just say it's Clemson versus Florida and Alabama versus LSU, Michigan against Ohio State in a playoff. Like, who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah. Right, there's, a, there's a lot of stupid bowls like the Tostitos Bowl, the Holiday Inn Bowl. Like at this point, bowl bowl. <laughs> you know what? Players on those schools just go there for a vacation. Let's say the Bahamas Bowl for Ohio, Ohio University. Shout out, shout out, shout out, uh, shout out Nathan Rourke. Oh, and Curtis Nathan Rourke. and Curtis Rourke, uh, both uh, some good HT players who they, they, uh, they can, can kill Loyola. Oh man, I got I remember. I remember playing against Curtis last year. Oh, I hated every moment of it. That guy can throw some darts. Man. Oh man, that guy can line you up. Uh, he's, but he's mobile too it's just for them to go in a hotel and yeah. have some fun play in their own little championship game yeah. you know there's not many games hey, in, Ohio, the Ohio there's not many well. games in a college schedule the, why not add a bowl game to verse someone yeah. finally not in your division yeah. and go head to head for a trophy yeah. you think we should have made the playoffs you think we deserve more than losing in the final I mean, you win and you you win or you lose in the final. I mean, we should, we should, we should have played in a bowl game. <laughs> that was our bowl game. Yeah, Tim Hortons Field, baby. That was that was that was tough, man. How do you think Frey Kanan feels in grade eleven? <laughs> My buddy probably listened to this podcast. Thank you for uh, you know they played a good game, man. They played a good game. Out of those four years, how many chips did uh, Frank Kanan win? Not, but the game was two. Oh, thank you, Frank Hayden. Uh, thank you, Alex Rukaj. <laughs> <laughs> it was good times. Nah, but you can see you can see the system going either way. I mean, the system should go eight. It's been talked about more than once. Yeah, because that was, fifth and sixth team that should have made it: yeah. Michigan, Ohio State, um, even like Georgia. There's there's so many different uh, Auburn, UCF, who went on a run. Undefeated teams, e- even though like. Their schedule isn't that hard, but UCF can beat Auburn. That's to show they can make it in the top four. And they don't want to put UCF in that top four because that top four is already so good. So maybe they should do eight. And obviously you can't do six. Or or can you? No, you you couldn't do six. No, because you need four different games, right? And then two semifinals. But 
In all I think honesty. I think I think six is not even good enough. I think you should go eight. The money uh, NCAA gets from these semifinal games, they could even make more off so, these so quarterfinal games. So that's sports management knowledge you learned. Oh baby, that's sports leadership, Miss Orlando's class. <laughs> that was a good class. That was a vacation to have. Learn learn some tournaments. <laughs> that's all we did. Yeah, uh, eight seeds. You know, that could work. Uh, it depends. I don't know. I think for this year, they'll stick to the selection committee and select the Obviously four. not. They usually announce it like two years in advance. Yeah, so. But I'm I'm excited. They could have done it this year with all, all this talent coming. Jalen Hurts. I, th- I, think, I think this year would have been the year to Justin make it. Justin Fields, Tua, Trevor Lawrence. Like, these players are once-in-a-generation type players, especially Trevor Lawrence. Um, He's got some nice hair, that guy. Holy. Head and shoulders should sponsor him. Like uh, like Troy Palomalu. Yeah, you think you think you think the NCAA should bring back their video games? I don't think so. It makes them more money. That's for the next podcast. Nah, fair enough. All right. Good talking to you, Mateus. All right, that's it for episode two. Thank you guys for joining us again. We'll be back again next time with episode three. Again, thank you guys for listening, Senator Bose. Thank you for being on the what show, do, dude. baby. All right, guys, have a good day.